yeah now uh today i was i was actually that's actually I, I just posted like two seconds right before you jumped on um i posted a little history post like i try to do a couple of times a week um i like tried to i always try to combine two interesting things i mean i know it's my perspective but like <laughs> i i always try to make it somewhat related like either like through genre or like it's a juxtaposition of like you know the son did this in 2000 but the same year you know 30 years later the the dad did a completely different thing or like whatever i don't know or right. whatever um and so today it was um today is james brown's birthday and it is also the day that um jimmy hendrix recorded uh voodoo child voodoo child the the like jam the long form one with winwood right um and uh not really like a connection there but just like two of my favorite like i don't, I don't know i mean like who doesn't like james brown first of all it's <laughs> 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 a godfather of soul but right. um but when it comes to the track voodoo child like man like that's such an interesting song like you know like you know we were just talking about like songs we wish were longer and like yeah. that's a long song <laughs> yeah it's 15 minutes you know and and that's a song that um you know actually i was reading this morning um and i included in the post that i didn't know this that um that album um that was that was that was a song that miles davis really leaned into around that time um probably because really? of its long form nature yeah and it was he was he was really he said he he said it it was a quote in one of his books i think that it kind of influenced him during that period where he was making what would become bitches brew. Um, wow. So I thought that was crazy. That's, yeah. uh, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Random, <laughs> you know, those random little influence, you know, connections. That, that's why I love trying to like dig up the past, you know, cause you never know, like when someone calls out like, you know, like a certain artist or whatever that you would never expect. You know, I, I don't know. I just love that stuff. Anytime you can see people, you know, high-fiving across the 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 music genre aisles you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i'm i'm with you it's it's a beautiful thing to see uh, yeah yeah super cool well you know like we had talked about before too is that you know that's that's one of those things that's one of those projects that they were supposed to work together too um or or eventually that, that that's what davis would have wanted right yeah, that would have been so interesting that's that's definitely like always one of my musical like what ifs like what if those two guys yeah. got together that's a know, pretty like, big one yeah uh, i mean that's yeah it, it, that should be a musical a big musical what if for everyone yeah. i mean that, that yeah, would have right. been good for music probably i mean yeah like i i think like if jimmy because i know there's like the speculation and like and like his written stuff that like he was trying to kind of like change his lifestyle and stuff around then and there's all this conspiracy stuff around when he died but like if he did like clean things up and like try to like really firm things up i feel like a pro like miles davis could have been like the you know the nudge he needed you know someone to yeah. be like you can't come in here being like this i don't like these people in the studio you know like someone really putting some corners or some edges on the you know the the vibe of what was going going on and um just direction just a really firm ideas you know um i think that would have been a very interesting environment to to grow you know someone in that that was very you know free natured and and just you know just lively i don't know it, it's like a producer getting getting a really interesting artist that can do all sorts of things with the right producer you know it's just 
that can do magic sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you're exactly right. And, you know, the, the biggest example, of course, that you and I are probably going to think of is George Martin with the Beatles. And it's just, mm. I mean, you know, the, the Beatles were, were talented guys anyway. Sure. Um, like a lot of musicians, but, you know, having that access to George Martin um, and then maintaining that relationship for the run of the band, mm. um, you know, certainly had to have an effect on on the quality of work they put out and the perception of the Beatles. And and to be fair, I think George oh, Martin, at least at first, had a pretty strict uh, no dope in the studio policy. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I, and I, I think I, John I, Lennon may have found ways to get around that by just doing the dope <laughs> on the stoop. But, um, <laughs> but, but you know, there like, was some some modicum of, of authority there. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- and that's the thing I always throw out because I'm, a, you know, obviously like we were Beatles fans, but I always clear up that you have to include George Martin, like without him, like you would never have the fidelity and the, this, right. the arrangement, you know, and, and impressive like consistency that is that group. And that comes all from that man. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and like, that's, I mean, anyone in that, especially in that late sixties, early seventies time period, like would agree that like you really need, a firm person like that to get an act kind of together. I mean, if, if they're a wild natured person, cause I'm just thinking about like stories from like Santana and I mean, there's all like other jazz people too, but like, you know, like Santana talked about that, that like he stepped away, you know, he left his own band under like the name is Santana. He left yeah. the band because they, you know, they, they were doing drugs and they were living a lifestyle that he didn't agree with. And, and, and so he left while they were still touring. <laughs> and so they were like going around and he rejoined them just because like he wanted to clean it up still, but like they're, they're touring the world still acting that way under his name though. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's just like, I, you know, though it's anybody that has that wild nature, I don't know. It's just, if you can get a really good leader or partner or whatever, I don't know. And just, if Davis was that interested in him, that just would have been so interesting to yeah, see. Yeah. And- for for anyone listening who said that uh, the drugs just come with the territory, I mean, I do agree with you, but you know, Frank Zappa pretty famously did not do drugs, right? Um, right, and, yeah. and he he ran a tight ship, and he's as weird and as artistic as anyone else from that era, if not weirder and more artistic. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't True. I don't think you need um, drugs to make good music uh but i'm sure with some people it helps so <laughs> well, you know i think it 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 and and i think uh you know you bringing up george martin's a good uh connection there because i think or, or or the the in relation to like him and like them smoking weed and stuff like that um when he got lenient or like or the idea of that or whatever is, is that maybe that's what he warmed up to is oh okay i'm the proper person <laughs> yeah. i make sure we stay in time. We have this structure and it stays, you know, some form of, of interesting in my world. But then you're, you're the second half of the equation, which just drums up all these ideas and themes that I just don't lean into like at all, but that's what keeps <laughs> it interesting. <laughs> it's like giving a phenomenal painter, you know, a, 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 a palette to work with. It's like, if you, if they lean into like all these earth tones and like, that's just their vibe and that's one thing they could be amazing. But if you have someone that gives them a palette of like, you know, crazy fluorescent crap or like who knows what, <laughs> then you'd be so interested to see like what that person does. Cause 
I don't know. That's what I think is cool. It's hyper technical with the hyper artist, you know, put them together and like you get really cool, really cool. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think that at some point George Harrison tried to get George Barton to burn one down with him, though. Like, <laughs> don't you think so? Like they just they oh, went up yeah. on the roof and George Harrison was like, yeah, George, try this. It will help you relax or whatever. And it <laughs> I feel like they all probably took their their swing at it because I mean, oh, it's, yeah. like they're, it's like they're it's like they're. I mean, not their dad, but it's like their uncle, you know, it's like their like fun uncle who's got rules, but he's still around, you know? So you're like, so it's like, you know, I feel like Ringo would probably be just the most chummy approach. Just be like, Hey, how you doing? You want to try this? Okay. Hey, no biggie. And then just like, keep asking, you know, but just like, it doesn't matter. And then George, hey, would, George would you more. like to smoke a fatty on the roof? Just- <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like, I feel like John would be all like offended. He'd be like, what do you mean? It's not that big of a deal. Like, <laughs> yeah. just, like keep bringing it up. Uh, and for those yeah. of you wondering, no, that, that was just me talking. Ringo Starr wasn't actually in the studio with us today. <laughs> I know it was a flawless, absolutely 100% perfect impression, but. Oh, you had uh, me fool. But no, he'll, he'll be on next week though. Um. <laughs> one of these days i'm going to say that and it's going to be true and people are going to flip wow. out when they tune in i mean no, probably not with ringo but you know someone else yeah <laughs> someone else yeah, yeah. <laughs> although i think maybe he lives in california or something now so maybe there's not as much of a time difference as there would have been if he was still in england oh. but <laughs> well i actually just did my first um international web chat a couple of days ago that episode will be coming out in the next few days oh, um, yeah yeah, so that was cool. Just just to have the confirmation and like, all right, cool. Yeah, like there's no like data drop. There's no like, <laughs> you know, like weird things. Just, you know, anytime you step into a new realm of growth, you're always like, oh my God, there's going to be this problem I don't know exists yet because I haven't grown that far yet. <laughs> yeah. But didn't run into anything. So, but uh, how have you, uh, have you been? What have you been up to? Oh, man. Well, you know, going on vacation tomorrow and, mm, that's um, right. You, you know, you don't realize when you're younger how stressful vacation prep is. <laughs> and uh, it's unbelievable. Like, my parents would get stressed out planning for vacation, and I never really got it. And mm. I mean, and I don't even have kids. Like, I don't even, I don't even have that much important stuff to take <laughs> care of. But holy crap. Uh. I mean, so, uh, yeah, pretty much that. I mean, I'm ex- I don't know if you can hear it or see it in me i mean i'm just exhausted but um but yeah no doing that just listening i've been listening to a lot of different genres of music just because i've been listening to music so much lately trying to get everything ready uh for our trip so it's kind of been interesting because you know i'll listen to like i I listen to i listen to channel orange uh from frank ocean And that, that really hit the spot. And then I was looking for some more music kind of like that. And I'm like, you know what? Actually, I think I want some prog rock. And so like it was, <laughs> then I listened to Genesis and then I like, you know, took my foot off the gas a little bit and started listening to the band. And then, then that opened some country doors and then country weirdly got me kind of back into the R and B scene. So like, it's, it's been <laughs> a very um, eclectic and diverse um, playlist the past several days but um no complaints here it's it's like it keeps it keeps the mind young (laughs) or something Uh, i mean i mean that's been my plan my entire life is just listen to different music and it'll just keep keep me young (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, it does keep you young. I mean, I, my, I'm I'm in my 30s, and my wife t- tells me I act like in a 12 year old all the time. So it, it's got to be working. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh my god! It's like a like a <laughs> joke from a stand up routine from from the 90s. Like everyone just complains <laughs> about their wife. I'm not complaining about my wife. I love her very much, and she's better than I deserve. But it's it's, it's great. Yeah, great. Bring on the boomer humor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what about you? What have you been up to? What have you been listening to? Oh, man. I've uh, been kind of all over the place, too, as always. Um, you know, there's uh, this uh, drummer from Dallas named J.D. Beck that I've followed for a long time. Um, don't know if you've heard of him before. He's a young young dude. Um, I think he like, just turned like 19 or something. Uh, but he's been like playing around or like been you know posting videos and people have been aware of like his talent for like the last like five years or so and he he he's on um anderson pox label uh i think it's ape shit is the label <laughs> um <laughs> and they just and he's he's it's a he's in a, a duo with another with a pianist named domi and they're uh they just released their first single on friday called smile um it's like a highly anticipated like uh release and man it's super cool it's like really like groovy and and then like really rapid because jd beck is like really known for like these really like crazy time signatures or like you know really interesting fills and solos and stuff and it has everything it's like real smooth to like really condensed intense like compact you know rapid kind of jazz stuff but it's great super groovy um toro y moi it's a another guy i've been a fan of for a while he came out with an album called mahal uh, which is super cool it's like super like psych rock like alternative like psychedelic rock and it's got really it's produced really well like it runs together really really well um it's a cool it's a cool album um i got it on cassette too uh just because it's it's made on like when i first listened to it i could tell that they ran it through a tape machine right um and it just has a kind of like old school sound (laughs) and uh so i was i was thinking about buying the the vinyl but uh the cassette was like super cheap so i was like yeah i'll just i'll just get that and it's cool it sounds really cool uh <laughs> but yeah that's a really cool album you know i sent you that that neil young one that came out to uh, el dorado yeah yeah that one's cool that one's like some some 80s neil yeah it really i mean it really reminded me of ragged glory and i, I oh, know yeah. i know i told you that already but like it that really as soon as i heard the first chords of the first song i was like oh yeah this is this is like some 1988 rip dreams bud drinking some budweiser with crazy horse and making music (laughs) (laughs) or whatever neil young drinks (laughs) well the canadian wabat blue (laughs) drinking some molson (laughs) like that one that that one was pretty cool and just like the way it's recorded i I don't and i I didn't actually look this up. They might be old recordings too. Cause I know he does that. I know that he'll hold on to my masters and tapes for like a long time. So bro, I know that that could be from the eighties. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that one's cool. And then, um, you know, the other day was the 10th year anniversary of fear fun, which is the debut album for uh, father John Misty. So one of my favorites. Uh, so I was listening to that like the last couple of days, just cause that's such a good album. That's a but, good, you know, I, I can't believe I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't realize that that was the 10th anniversary of that album. It's a great album. And uh, it's funny. I was, I was in Austin, um, not this past weekend, but the weekend before that, um, 
it was the first of my two trips to Austin in like a five day span. Um, mm. <laughs> and um, we were seeing a, a friend of mine down there and he's a big father, John Misty guy. And, and uh, mm-hmm. they had just gotten tickets to see him when he comes through Austin, like in the summer, maybe. But um, oh, yeah. if we were, we were talking, we actually talked about that album. I don't know why it, it didn't even dawn on me to like, Ah, well, whatever. I should I should have listened to it and looked more into it. I like to do that when someone mentions an album that I haven't mm, listened to in a while, yeah. just to give it a revisit. But I didn't didn't do it this time. And then lo and behold, now I seem unprepared for the for the recording. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because this because yeah, this, this is the topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, but but yeah, I I just happened I just happened upon it. They, they like his his uh, his own social team like didn't even bring it up. Like, wow, I'm, I'm the only one I think that caught it in the world. <laughs> so, wow. I mean, like a post about it and stuff, but you know, but yeah, I don't know. I love that. I've, 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 I've really, I don't know. I always love his music. His last one, the Chloe one, uh, that one, I'm, I'm a little cool on just because it's that old, it's an old style, you know, it's that old, like show tune kind of like lobby singer. Yeah. Almost, <laughs> almost like ragtime. Yeah. And I know, and I know he likes that. Like if you really pay attention to like when he gets really creative and like, you know, adds his little like, um, niche things to some of his songs, like in his last two albums, at least he uses a lot of that kind of music and those fills and that vamping and stuff is from like that music style. So when he announced it and like started releasing singles for it, I wasn't very surprised. I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) you know this is where it's finally coming out <laughs> like fully because like he he like he was like balance between like singer songwriter style and like you know alternative really like eclectic crazy you know <laughs> sounds yeah. and stuff and then this one's like well this is kind of an older thing that he's just all, I, in my opinion it seems like he really respects that type of music like it takes a lot of like knowledge and work to like make that kind of music interesting or something and so he likes to incorporate it you know just like same with me and like certain things like i don't know like once i start making my music i know i'm going to incorporate a lot of jazz like he hasn't done that a lot but i've picked up these themes of that you know in his work before but whatever but um yeah but fear fun's awesome i love that album yeah always always fun when you know he can list his influences like singer songwriters like bob dylan and then show tunes people like rogers and hammerstein so (laughs) well i'm I'm waiting for the cover album that's just like a track for track um cover of like pirates of penzance or something (laughs) (laughs) yeah or like or like a single like some one-off like (laughs) random like old song like i could definitely see that but yeah, I think the dude's also just a pro. I think he could honestly do like probably anything. Like, yeah, he's yeah. one of those dudes I'd love to see work with, like some big producer, like some really unique producer or something. Just, just to tilt his, you know, style a little bit. Yeah, you know, you like, know I, I have thought about that. I've tried to figure out like who would make a really good fit for him. Um, Hmm. that's a good segue into our topic today (laughs) it is yeah which which is basically like you know build like a dream super group is kind of our our topic today so um so yeah that does kind of run together that but yeah like building a a team teaming them up in the right way and i mean right now we're talking about like a, a artist and a producer but um i mean we can start there yeah so 
building a super group. It's a much more fun, more adult version of build a bear. So that's good. Um, <laughs> much more complex and yeah, but just as frustrating. <laughs> yeah, and like any good build a bear, we're gonna have to give these super groups names. By the way, I hope you, I hope you, I hope you're prepared oh, for that. That's oh, that's true. That's <laughs> yeah. We, we can't. I think I we can't just bring that. a bunch of people together and then not calling some call them something stupid. That's oh man, yeah, that's true. Okay, that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, so I, you wanna, after you, man. After okay, you. Yeah. Well, I guess let's just let's start with like the 60s and just work our way forward. I feel like that'd be a good because that's when like super groups, you know, quote unquote, kind of like or pop super groups. I'll put it that way because you know, I'm sure there's a lot of classical teams that <laughs> mesh yeah. people and, and, and <laughs> ensembles that interchange some folk. But yeah. Uh, I've always wondered how often that's happened where like two world class musicians got together and, you know, had a session or whatever. But because they do some really esoteric type of music, only like 400 people worldwide know it about know about it and would even <laughs> recognize them as the superstars that they are. I always yeah. feel bad. To, I mean, somewhere out there is like the world's greatest bassoonist. Right. I mean, mm, there is a right, bassoon yeah. player out there that could sit first chair in any philharmonic orchestra in the galaxy. Yeah. And I don't know who that is. Do you know who that is? Yeah. No. no <laughs> yeah. I mean, so probably probably some person named like Philip Bassoon or something like like it was a family name. <laughs> <laughs> Literally runs in the family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> His wife also plays, but she plays saxophone. Uh, <laughs> she married into the bassoon. Um, <laughs> oh man. Well, but yeah, so the 60s, it's it's a good place to start. I'm really glad you started in the 60s. I was afraid you were going to start in the 40s, and I was going to be like Glenn Miller, <laughs> Benny Goodman, the Andrews sisters, and then like that's <laughs> all the people I can name. Um, <laughs> you know, the 60s, what's interesting about starting there is that you do have, um, you know, you do have a few super groups and you have some overlap. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Eric Clapton was in Cream. Cream was considered kind of a super group. Yeah. Um, you know, he was he was briefly in the Yardbirds after Jimmy Page left. Um, mm -hmm. so that was another super group. Um, he was in John Mayall's Blues Breakers, which maybe not at the time, but has kind of become a little bit of a revolving door super group. Mm -hmm. Um so it's it's kind of interesting to start there because it's like, fate. well, okay, is Eric Clapton a good choice for who you want playing the guitar in your sixty supergroup since he <laughs> played guitar in a couple of sixty supergroups? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't forget blind faith either. Oh yeah, William. plus blind how did I forget blind faith? Good catch. Yeah, good looking <laughs> out there. Um, um but yeah, it's uh it's true and in, in a uh like he but I think his thing and why he was even in so many like groups is just because of his, his musical nature. Like he, he didn't like, at least at that time, he like didn't care that he had to stay to like a group. You know, I think he, he just had that kind of hippie go with the flow thing. But like, he, I think he, he just honestly had like a really crazy confidence. Like he was like, Oh, I kind of, I know what I'm doing. They want me across the the water too. Like it's like, oh, I'll just jump around. Like I if if like the Beatles are hanging out with me, they want me 
I'm on a Beatles record. You know, I mean, like he's got to be like yeah. on this level of like so many people have asked for me and I think I'm okay. And I, and, and if you ever like see interviews or read his books and stuff, like he says, like he's always been drawn to like, um, interesting people, interesting dynamics and interesting settings and stuff like that. So I don't take that as he is looking for like the height of interesting and then he's going to stay there. Like he's going to make his tent on that peak and he'll be satisfied forever. It is like an ever going pursuit. So I think that's what puts him in this bill of like, how has he been in so many groups? It's been because it's just never enough. It's like, I'll hang with you. We'll capture lightning in a bottle. And then I can do this every day of the week. So I'm just going to move on. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then, you know, he kind of hit that space in the, I don't know if it was the late 60s or early 70s, where he kind of, he even got out of the, um, like, kind of true electric plugged in rock for a while. And he toured with Delaney yeah. and Bonnie and friends playing, you know, playing an acoustic guitar. And yeah, in well, but that was during that time where he wanted to get away from himself yeah just, just oh, like with yeah. derek and the dominoes that's why he, they did it yeah. underneath that name <laughs> another super nope. group good lord yeah <laughs> how many super groups has that guy been in <laughs> this, we need a super group that's just like all of eric clapton's ex-bandmates <laughs> like pick the best of the su- of the clapton well, super groups well when it comes to the 60s then or let's try and do it like this i think this will be a good approach for building like a decade super group you know, to kind of give us a focal point, let's build a super group for a decade to rival what we would consider one of the best groups of that decade. So like Ooh, in the sixties for the sixties, you got to admit it'd probably be like the Beatles. Uh, Cause everybody or most people in the pop world were l- looking for them for influence anyways, to figure out, you know, where to go, or they were looking into another corner of music, you know, to, to fuse and to generate their own thing. Um, but I would say, you know, and record sales, they were just at the height. So not using any of them or Clapton <laughs> um, or Billy Preston, you know, like let's, let's build like, you know, a, a minimum of like, you know, four, 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 four person ensemble and a, and a, and a producer. Yeah. I think okay. Well, I'm, I think that's a good way to do it. And uh, I'm going to nominate um as front man because i think i think he has to rank as one of the leading front men ever mm. um is mick jagger and you know oh. mick jagger he's one of those guys that his voice is whatever i mean you know in the 60s the the rolling for the vast majority of the 60s the rolling stones were still you know mostly doing like blues tunes mm. um cuz and you know, a lot of that is because they had, um, uh, oh man, why am I blanking on his name? Brian uh, Wilson. Yeah, no, no Jones, Jones. My bad. Yeah, my bad. Brian Jones. Too. Good lord, I wanted to say Brian Williams. I'm like, no, I think that's a disgraced newscaster no. or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I, I do think, I like, I think if you have, because Mick Jagger will own whatever you throw at him right i mean he mm. he sings country music he sings yeah he's got a ton of charisma his voice while not fantastic is great for i mean you know he can make it sound however he needs to sound mm-hmm. for a given song um and plus you know i've seen footage of him playing a guitar so apparently he can play guitar sometimes 
but um, <laughs> you know, there's that man. Brian Wilson's another great example, though. By the way, that's mm. man. That you almost have I almost, if you can't if you can't use Lennon McCartney, you want Brian Wilson to be your songwriter, arranger, producer. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, maybe he would be the '60s like producer just for the obsession. Yeah. <laughs> He's he, he'll be the like. Pharrell for the super group. Yeah. The traveling yeah. producer occasionally yeah. like lend his voice to a song. <laughs> um, you know, um, I, you know, one part of this topic that'll make it hard is also like what kind of like sound we would want to build. Cause like, you know, you might be leaning towards like more like rough and high energy. While I might be more like, soul or like something yeah um, but i don't know who cares we'll just run with it well, um, that, uh, so just, okay just, so so for the 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 non-soul set it's mick jagger and mm. and for the the soul set who are we bringing out i mean stevie wonder was going strong in the 60s yeah um, i mean like marvin gay i mean i know marvin he gay like, great example yeah, yeah he was just he I mean, literally, it's like at, by the end of the 70s, he was like at the peak. So it's like and then starting to really push himself and do overdubs and get, you know, more complex with it. But, you know, I can't. It, yeah. He, I mean, yeah, he, he has one of the most phenomenal, like crisp, just like smooth voices. I mean, I, I do. I will say that I will bring him up in the 70s <laughs> again just <laughs> because in the 70s, I think he he fleshed that out to even more you know, to finesse it even better to be just so comfortable and how he f sings and just, yeah, I don't know. It's just, a, a, um, I don't know. His voice is just killer, man. I don't know. There's, I mean, there's a uh, lot of R and B singers I love and respect and soul singers, but it, it, that dude could read, could sing the newspaper and I would just be, I would eat it up, you know? Yeah. I mean, literally, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and in terms of like just another singer, if we wanted like just, I'm, honorable mentions or whatever for me from the 60s just because i when i think of like 60s and i'm like i want some like psychedelic stuff or some like really interesting rock stuff then i will always appreciate you know jimmy hendrix singing style um just or, or i mean almost any blues man from the 60s just that like you're telling a story more type of a style you know you're like you're you're, you're storytelling just over music you know <laughs> and you're not right. necessarily like singing every time but like he and he is, he is singing, but like there's just like that nature to it that feels more like your storytelling. I've always loved that, and then just the pure energy of like Robert Plant's voice, like just the yeah intensity. I mean, that's just that early album, that first album, is just you know he he crushes it. I mean, they all do, but just like the you know in that blues deep intense album, that's what you want. And he executed, yeah. you know, and so it's like if 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 I want that out of a group, if I want that that grittiness, you know, just like in the White Album, how there's some really sweet sweet songs, some really great ballads, but then there's also some gritty shit right in your face, you know. <laughs> it's like that. I would want the super group to be able to pull that off, you know. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, you know, and then when it comes to guitar um, or uh, like a lead lead guitar or, or a, a lead musician, whatever. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just bring up Hendrix again. Uh, just, you know, I was just listening to um, Electric Ladyland or most of it. I almost listened to all of it this morning uh, just because of uh, Voodoo Child, the anniversary or whatever it being recorded. And uh, God, just the proficiency and just like 
ease, man, of like, you know, like it's just outrageous, man. You know, and, and anytime you watch that guy live, just the comfort he has with his his weapon, you know, and 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 how he 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 expresses with it and just he emotes with it. And it's just not he's no he's never stiff. He is never stiff. Right. <laughs> and he's just so comfortable. Um and you know, one thing that I've learned in in interacting and playing um and just experiencing musicians that jam and like to jam is that they just radiate. <laughs> they just radiate like energy and they just want to get it out and they want to be plugged in. Like they're ready to like just throw me in the room, get me with the right person, you know. Um, and Jimmy was a jam person. He absolutely was. Um, in fact, that's what kind of Voodoo Child was, was a long form kind of like jam. Uh, and um, and in fact, what uh, I know that was kind of a riff between him and his bassist. I'm forgetting his bassist name right now with, with the experience. But like he was like more of a session guy. And that would kind of be like a rift between them as Jimmy was like, well, let's just mess around or let's get so-and-so in here and play. And he's like, well, y'all can do that. I'm going to leave. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, cause you know, just some people aren't built that way, um, or want to do that with their music or want to treat music like that. But man, he just had a, had a flow and a finesse and, you know, the other, um, guitarists across the pond, um, that I would rival him in the, in his blue style and technique is, you know, like Jimmy page. Um, and I don't want to bring up Clapton, but you know, he just, he had his style too, but I mean, page was just outrageous. I mean, again, even if we just stuck to Zeppelin one, just the proficiency and the intensity, man, it's just, it's just, I, I don't know. It just blows me away. Um, yeah. Noel Redding, by the way, was the name you were looking yes. for. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, um, I kept wanting to say no, Noel Fielding, who uh, is the British comedian who did like mm. the IT crowd and oh, the Great right. British yeah, Bake yeah, yeah. Off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and what? the old Greg from those old, uh, the early days of YouTube. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but, yeah, but anyways, just real quick, I, I wanted to like, because I know this might have been one that we would have brought up mutually, like especially during the 60s, would have been like Neil Young. But, you know, Neil Young, I like his approach to music and like how, especially in that period, like when he was younger, I love that period. Um, but I like him because he's like that kind of rock sound, but he also has this folk side to, to him um, and this country side to him. But to me, like jimmy page is like that just like on steroids like he he always wants it to be like even crazier like if it's going to be a folky song like it's going to be like let's get the 12 string out let's get like all this stuff out like let's you know like let's really like go the extra mile when i just feel like neil is has a simpler approach um to things and I just think if we're talking like super groups to rival like the Beatles, I mean, that's that's why Led Zeppelin cut through the masses in 69 is because of that intensity and level of complexity. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I think another um, perhaps un, not unappreciated, maybe a little bit underappreciated guitarist mm. of the time is John Fogarty. Mm. Um you know, John Fogarty sang and played lead guitar for Creedence Clearwater yeah. Revival. And 
you know, if you go back and listen to CCR, I mean, they were always fighting with each. I mean, they were they were like they had the like dysfunction level of like rumors era Fleetwood Mac at all times. Mm. Like, it's amazing they ever got anything done. Oh, really? Um, oh, but I, I, I realized that. Yeah. And I, and I, I think, I think there was always that. And then after, after CCR broke up, they, there was, I mean, there were lawsuits and all sorts of stuff. Um, hmm. yeah, kind of it's crazy. I read about one of them in law school. Um, that's neither here nor there though. Um, <laughs> but you know, John huh. Fogarty is one of those guys and CCR definitely has their sound. Right. But right. You know, yeah, he's, no, you're right. he started. He unique. Oh yeah. And, but you know, he, I've seen him live and I mean, he just, he blew the crowd away with his guitar playing and then like the singing and showmanship was all just kind of secondary to that. Um, but I think he's one of those guys who can adapt that style though. Cause he played a couple of covers and you know, if you listen to some of his solo stuff, there's a lot of it that's not very good, but mm-hmm. um, there is stuff that is good that sounds not like CCR. So I know he was capable of it. Um, mm, yeah. I just wanted to throw him out. I don't, I don't think he would be, I don't think he would be, you know, in the starting lineup of this, uh, <laughs> of this super group, but he certainly deserves to be on the bench and, you know, get called in in case, you know, Neil Young dislocates a shoulder or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you know, one, one thing I, I also just want to throw out there is there, there's some artists that, I also think that they wouldn't need a whole group. <laughs> you yeah. know, I think them being combined with one other big artist, like a, a duo, like the Black Keys type of deal, like just two dudes just ripping it up in a room. I think there's some people that might not get mentioned that could easily pull that off. You know, like if you got like a phenomenal drummer who who's known for like their funky style or like their their um, their approach to to rhythm that that is just you know like Bernard Purdy or somebody, and pair them with with someone that's like at their height of experimenting and pushing themselves like muddy waters, like right after like electric mud. So you got like funky drummer that's like super rapid and just like can like make it sound like he's telling a story with the drums and then, and then a a guitarist who's just like, just, just expressing all, just emoting all over the place, (laughs) just just doing this thing. And then, and then just singing, you know, storytelling on top of that with a, with a good voice. I mean, especially blues, man. I think that again, like the black keys, uh, being a a bassist for like two guys, like, like yeah, I mean those two would be a really interesting couple. Like to see like Muddy and like one really like hyper energetic like drummer, you know? Because I yeah. know like sometimes Muddy would take the slower approach, but just like always try and keep it cranked up to like ten, you know, just seeing yeah. like where that where that went. Yeah, because I think nowadays that's that might be more exciting because people want an album like maybe end to end, you know, energy. But like back then, they were like, well, you gotta mix in some slower stuff. You know, you can't <laughs> always just put your foot down the gas. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think there's a few guys like that, uh, you know, Brian Jones being one of them. I I don't know that Brian Jones could sing, but I, you know, he, Mm. he could play any instrument you put in front of him and play it well. Yeah. Yeah. Or, 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 um, sorry, I just realized a guitarist with that, that I would also throw into this would be, uh, Peter Green. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah, like early, early Fleetwood Mac, Peter Green. Yeah. yeah oh like yeah, mid- for sure. Late sixty stuff when he's doing Albatross and Black Magic Woman and yeah, yeah, man. Like that's all him. That's all him. Yeah. Because that that band was about to like fall apart. So yeah. <laughs> but like, but like yeah, like he 
is a bad dude, man. During that time when he did his solo album and stuff, like, yeah, super good blues guitarist. I know we keep leaning into the blues, but it yeah. might happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the thing, putting these like decade by decade super groups together. I mean, you almost you almost want to so have bad. like a first street, like a varsity and a JV and, and like a ninth grade team, you know, because yeah. <laughs> like, um, I, I, yeah, I mean, Brian Jones is one of those guys. Peter, Peter Green's one of those guys. John Paul Jones should I mean, mm, he should be in this discussion for basis anyway. Yes. But, yeah. it, you know, he's one of those guys who, who can play anything. And I don't think he sings, but, you know, he's obviously got rhythm because as a bassist, he was able to keep up with John, uh, right. John Bonham for all those years. Right. And right. Um, and, you know, keep the time that way. Jimmy Page could take almost too many drugs to function and still <laughs> go out there and do a show. But um yeah, I think I, I think that's the biggest the the biggest challenge, of course, and uh, I don't think either of uh, either of us, you know, didn't know this, but the biggest challenge, aside from figuring out what sound do you want this hypothetical mm-hmm. band to go with, is just you know, ultimately the success or failure of supergroups depends on their ability to gel, just like the success of most other right. groups musically. Right. Um, right. You know, Fleetwood Mac. They didn't gel personally, but they made beautiful music, um, you know, both during the Peter Green years and later on. Um, so that's the I, I that's the hardest problem because it's like, yeah, okay, if you could take Brian Jones and John Bonham and put them into a room, surely you would get something awesome out of that. But you know, maybe they were from different parts different of England and supported clubs. different yeah it's like they supported different <laughs> soccer clubs and and would start fights with each other i mean so who knows <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it really is true i mean that's why you, it's really interesting watching artists uh recollect working with um specter with the uh, with um uh, what, what's yeah. his first name um, Phil Spector. Phil, thank whole, you, Phil Spector. Yeah, God, the whole wall um, of sound. that like yeah, we're really good at like, our oh. names today. <laughs> <laughs> um, just like talking about how like you know some people be like, oh, you know, he's such a genius and 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 uh, so appreciative and funny and 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 considerate. Yeah, yeah. and other people are like, yeah, he, he pulled a gun on me in the studio. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know, this needs to be <laughs> intense. And if you can't create that intensity, Cox gun, I will create it for you. <laughs> uh, well, so for the 60s, you know, who would be like um, a producer? I know he kind of blew, threw out a couple of them, but um, what, who who are some some geniuses you think would need to be in the room? Well, if it's the later 60s, I think Phil Spector is not a bad choice. Um, true. If, yeah. it's, if it's the earlier 60s, I mean, if we're ruling out all Lennon-McCartney things, I guess that rules out George Martin, but... <laughs> yes, yeah, any, any, any Beatles team... <laughs> Yeah, They're I mean, I, I really team. do think I, I think or, Brian Wilson in a pure producer role would have been incredible. Um, mm, yeah. And I think, um, oh, my gosh, uh, he was the guy at Capitol who kind of he he was one of the early proponents of uh, Ray Charles. Uh, mm. He's a Turkish guy. His name is like Mehmet something. I don't know. I'll think of it. Um him, you know, I, th- I think would be a good option. Uh, I also think looking to California in, in some of those people, you know, some of the the 
you know, Laurel Canyon kind of producers that were able to get a lot of that sound for, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, for Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young and, and the birds and, uh, whoever else was down there at the time. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and we also can't forget if we have, um, Jimmy Page involved that he would probably be producing too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause he, cause he's know. the, he produced their first one, right? Or like almost all of them. I think so. Um, I, I, I think so. Um, but you know, with that first one, it, not that, not that it, I, I don't think producing music is easy. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, but sure. you know, that first one, I think they left so much of it raw and it was mostly just about levels because <laughs> mm, I think they wanted the, you know, I don't think they would have used the word grunge. Um, but, you know, my understanding is that they wanted kind of a grungier, rockier song uh, or sound on that first album. Sure. And I would imagine that as a producer, that would make your job a little bit easier because you know if if there's a note missing somewhere it just sounds a little bit dirtier than it should then that's actually exactly what you want (laughs) so it's kind of like you know you're not the type of fine tuning you're doing is not quite the same as if you're doing if you're doing like a a genesis album where like note for note has to be perfect or peter gabriel peter gabriel (laughs) throw you off salisbury hill or whatever (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if yeah. Salisbury Hill is tall enough to commit murder, but uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> if it is, get away from Peter Gabriel when you see him up there on Salisbury Hill. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, poor Peter well, Gabriel. He, maybe he's a nice guy. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I uh, we like know he's, he's listening. Hey, just, just shoot us an email, Pete. <laughs> just, just do it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's taken us like 25 minutes to get through the 60s, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, well, I guess I, we could, okay. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say we could try and like skip ahead like to the 90s. That way it's not like too close, you know? Yeah, there we go. Let's let's do a 90s <laughs> one and then we can, on a different date, we'll have like a 70s and 80s There day. we go, yeah. Then yeah. yeah, the next time we do it, we can do 70s and 2000s and then 80s and 2010s. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, 90s, 90s. got to have Fred Durst involved. No, I'm just kidding. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the look on no. your face while you tried not to react super negatively to that was pretty funny. <laughs> like that, that was worth it. <laughs> well, I also was like, I was reacting and also like, I had a lot of things going through my head at once right then. So I was like. <laughs> I was like, like 90s like what is, I don't even know where to start do you start with like do you start like with Prince do you start with like <laughs> I was yeah, all over the place you start with tough. grunge I mean, you start with <laughs> yeah well you've got the you right you've got the grunge sound right and then you also kind of have the gangster um, hip hop like, yeah <laughs> you've, you've got that kind of stuff the like death row records you've got you've got that you have the kind of sort of singer songwritery sounding stuff like the gin blossoms and the wallflowers and toad the wet sprocket and that kind of stuff mm. Mm. um you have the true singer songwriter stuff like jewel uh yeah yeah so, so it's- <laughs> um then you have just like the perfection of encapsulating the the day with alanis morissette 
Jagged Little Pill is such a good album. Like just from A to mm. Z, such a good album. Um, mm. So it's it's tough. Like you you know, it's not like there was um, you know there wasn't a lot to choose from in the '60s. I think the problem is if if you want to use the word problem is in the '90s you had such the you had this incredible gamut being run that was on the radio on the same station. I mean, you, you know, when I was growing up, you could listen to Kiss FM here in Dallas, and you would hear Pearl Jam, and then you might hear like In Sync. And then, you know, they yeah. might take it back a little bit and and you would hear like some no doubt or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it just, you, you know, which was cool. Like, uh, you know, it was it was I'm not a big in sync guy, but, you know, it was cool that, you know, my sister and I could listen to run one radio station and I would get Pearl Jam and she would get in sync and we would both be, uh, you know, less unhappy than we might have otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> It's such a cop-out statement, less unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> Still well, unhappy, but less. <laughs> well, so did we, we started from the singer last oh, yeah. time. Maybe we should start the other way this time. Okay. So um, producer? Sure. Producer or drummer? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let you pick while I try and well, think of some drummers from the 90s. <laughs> Well, one Tra- I, Travis I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Travis Berger. I mean, I, one of the first ones that came to my mind is like, you know, Danny Carey with Tool just because of proficiency and, yeah. you know, percussion obsessions, you know. <laughs> Danny Carey, yeah, he's he's like the more Neil Peart style where yeah, he is probably prog. more willing to embrace a lot of new stuff and have a huge mm. kit where on the other end you have like Dave Grohl you know, who had his six piece kit and that's what, you know, Nirvana, Foo Fighters, whatever that kit was going to be that kit. Um, sure. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, I was also thinking of, um, um, uh, people like, uh, uh, Questlove who, yeah, like, like he, he might be more focused on structure than like experimenting all the time, but I'm sure he'd be more, cause I, I know he got more into experimenting, I think in the late nineties, like early two thousands when he was with like common and, and, and just collaborating a lot more and not just, you know, in, in the roots alone. Um, and I know after he met Jay Dilla, like, I know that kind of started changing how he thought of rhythm and stuff too, but, uh, just, just for his knowledge, <laughs> if anything, you know, <laughs> yeah. and just like his consistency, it'd be phenomenal. It's so funny. Yeah, I, I would just, just to was a good have choice. this in the, yeah, no, I think it'd be a really good one. <laughs> I just wanted to mention this really quick. I I I googled '90s drummers just like to see what would come up, just so I would have it like on my side in case there was someone I didn't think of. And like on the list, it popped up. Like you know, like when Google tries to give you the answer without oh, going yeah. to the website, it's like listing like just singers, and it's just funny because it says like top 1990s drummers, and it says um, Kurt Cobain, Frank Zappa. Paul McCartney. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I was like, what is this list? Cause I was like, I was like looking at you and then like trying to like speed read the list. I'm like, this list is shit. What is happening over here? <laughs> uh, it's like, but, Cobain um, sucked at drums. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? One, one um, other nineties, you know, act I'll, I'll throw out there just because I know he was a, a big jazz fan is the the drummer for the Smashing Pumpkins, um, Jimmy Chamberlain. 
Yeah. Um, he's good. He's a good one. Um, you know, I mean, you know, shout out to Taylor Hawkins. That's another one just coming in my. Yeah. Fly on Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, that really was sad. Like I, I wasn't just the world's biggest Foo Fighters fan or whatever, but um, yeah, I, I think our, our friend Brad texted me and mm. was like, did you see Taylor Hawkins died? And I was like, oh man, that sucks. Yeah, no, I remember I, I was, uh, uh, I was up late for something. I don't know. I don't remember what I was doing. Um, and I was trying to like wind down and like, we just got on like Reddit and like re hit the refresh popular page right. or whatever, which I hadn't hit in like three hours or five hours or whatever. So like all <laughs> this old news on it and then it refreshed and like, it just had like a small post about it at the top. And like, I just didn't take it seriously at first second. So I was like, what the, what the hell? I mean, like anyone that sees something like that, but, um, yeah, just so random. So, yeah, so sad. Yeah. I think, uh, Chad Smith might be a good drummer as well, uh, for the possible super group from, from, um, uh, red hot chili peppers. Oh Uh, yeah. Yeah. Will Ferrell. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously (laughs) lots of, lots of experience with pretty complicated rhythm working with flea, um, Mm. And they've got some stuff that's kind of in weird time signatures, so we'd probably be able to adapt well to just about anything. But hmm. yeah, a lot of, there's, I, I didn't realize how many good choices for drummer there were going to be. <laughs> <laughs> what about a bass man? So I'm of two minds here. Two, two names immediately came to mind. Okay. Uh, the first was Les Claypool of Primus. Mm-hmm. um this and the south park theme song uh (laughs) and victor wooten uh yeah 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 wooten was gonna be mine actually (laughs) yeah and so that's the right and you know that's the thing is i i you know i would bet there aren't that many you know victor wooten fans out there really and and um but uh or at least you know the type who would be willing to put together a like a kind of poppy rocky uh super group of the 90s mm-hmm. yeah but you know that guy and I, i've never seen him live i'd like to see victor wooten live but yeah every video i've ever seen and every song i've ever heard when you know to listen and watch for the bass is just absolutely unbelievable yeah dude he he posted a little video i think it was a couple of nights ago he was at blue note i think it was in new york but he, he had uh he was there with uh, it was him, Derek Hodge, and Mono Neon um, uh, from Ghost Note, and um, and like yeah, just like three monsters of bass, just like standing up there, just like just like just going. I just tag team, you know, just just switching off for like ever. Like man, that's like that's that's a lot of a lot of talent. But no, Victor Wooten's also not just like so proficient and has such a great style, but like he's also just like a really warm person. Like yeah, I just feel like that's another aspect of him that would work really well in a group. It's like, he's just a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. seems like he'd get along with everyone and, you know, yeah. he would just sit there, like melt people's face off with his base and then like <laughs> go home. <laughs> and that's the show. Yeah. And show up like, the next morning it. with donuts and coffee. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, he, he's super good. I actually, um, he has a book called, I think it's called the music lesson. Um, about his like personal experience with like or evolution as a musician, and that was that was an interesting book. It was a good uh, book. 
kind of changed my perception on jamming and improv music. Made me feel a little more comfortable in myself. Um, Man, that's, that's why cool. I, I, yeah, yeah, that's why I, cause I, I knew about his associations and, and, and acts he had been with. And, um, but I had a buddy, like he told me about the book and then told me who wrote it. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll check it out. And yeah, it was really good. It's really interesting. But yeah, that's a good one. Um, what about, um, what we got? okay, guitarist, 90s. Um, <laughs> this is I mean, tough. Could, let's say Stevie. <laughs> yeah, although he died like so early into the 90s. Yeah, but he had so much energy in that one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, as long as he he passed the year the line he's he counts yeah. <laughs> he did make it to 1990 uh, yes we can say that um, with certainty just 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 because man you know there's just that part of me that just wants i mean like anybody's what what could have happened you know so i just wanted to get that out of the way um but you know i mean i, I want to think of someone else like someone you know not necessarily like pop but like was very popular and very successful in the 90s but maybe some you want to think of you know like george benson or or something. Yeah. Eric Johnson um, might be in that group. Mm -hmm. Um I think White Cliffs of Dover was early 90s. I could be wrong on that. Um mm -hmm. oh, Tom Morello. Yeah, Tom Morello. Tom Morello would be a good one. And something that I've always respected about Rage um is, you know, apparently one of their kind of tenets when writing and, and producing music mm -hmm. was they wanted to be able to recreate every sound live. Oh and, yeah, yeah. So I I don't think they and I don't know, you know I don't know what their philosophy is anymore. But you know for for a long time, if not still, um, you know I don't think they had anything on tape. I don't think they they used any sort of loops or pre recorded anything mm -hmm. on their shows. I mean I think it was just however much noise those four dudes could make. And uh, wow. I always respect that because every once in a while you see a concert and there's a, you know, some cop out where like the drummer has one of those drum pads and they just hit one drum pad pad thing. And, you know, yeah, it like basically plays like ever. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it just seems like a cop out. It's like, that's just the, the, the you know, the, I'm not, I'm not knocking. It still sounds nice, uh, you know, and it's in when it's well used, it's well used. I'm not complaining about it, yeah. but you know, something I've always uh, respected about Rage is their determination to be like, nah, we're, we ain't going to do that. We're, <laughs> we're going to get up there. We're going to make music with these instruments and that's all you're going to hear. And it's going to be awesome. Like, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. Um, and, you know, Joe Satriani is another one of those kind of mm. prog fusion guitarists, although he may, his heyday may have been a little bit more in the eighties. Uh, although I don't know that for a fact, but yeah, well, you know, I was, gonna also gonna throw out, well, I was going to throw out Santana too. I mean, still active and still yeah. Grammy, Grammy winning. So, um, you know, and again, you know, that's kind of that as the ages go on, it kind of makes it harder because you can still pull back from people if they're still active, you know? So it's like, I could still, well, I guess we said not to use the Beatles, but that was like, okay, who, who would have been the 90s super group that we're competing against? Like, I guess that's the <laughs> thing we forgot to do. I said our limitation. Oh yeah. Um, well, I guess it will depend on the sound. Um, 
Because, yeah. you know, if it's if it's more kind of like a, you know, a traditional band or whatever, I don't know who that leaves. Uh, <laughs> Smashing Pumpkins. Um, you know, they had a couple of really great albums in the 90s, at least. Yeah. Um, well, because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's always hard to try and fig- <laughs> figure out like the signature, you know, group yeah. of a decade or like whatever, but. Just like the one that's like typically is like almost like frustratingly like brought up all the time. It's like, oh, that was like the nineties group, you know. And I would just think of like Nirvana and like Yeah WA and like Nirvana's <laughs> who everyone brings up. And like look, I'm not about to dump on Nirvana. Sure. I, it, but, but there's a ahead. lot of better music out there. I they're just <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, th- yeah, there's better. But, I mean, Pearl Jam was a better grunge band than Nirvana was, and mm. it, it's just. And, and again, I'm okay, not knocking okay. Nirvana. I like Nirvana. I, I, if a Nirvana yeah, song yeah, is yeah. on, I'm going to listen to it. <laughs> but I have never. It's not that I think they're overrated or anything like that. I don't. I don't know that that is really the right word. Um, you know, but the, the, first off, they were one of the first to do the kind of grunge thing, and then having the very tragic. You, you know, because Kurt Cobain died in 1994, Four. I think. And yeah. so, you know, their, all of their success and all that attention and all of the the roads that they traveled with grunge, you know, that was a that was like a four year journey for them is all, yeah. which is pretty incredible. Well, but, OK. Um, then, I mean, we could make it like Radiohead. Radiohead would be a pretty good option. Cause like, uh, I, cause I, cause I'm trying to think of like numbers and like influence. So like yeah. I feel like Radiohead or like rage or, um, Hmm. Yeah. Those Weezer, are, but no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Weezer did have some really great albums in the nineties. Um, Oh yeah. Oh, they're good. Uh, I mean, rivers. I mean, he would be a good writer, you know, he's good. Yeah. Good writer. Um, you know, Tom, Tom York would be another good lead man for a super group. If, if yeah. he's not going to be the com- competition, yeah. um, uh, um, and you know, and, um, another good compose, you know, idea for like producing and stuff too. Um, yeah, man, there's so much, there's just so much music. I'm like constantly like, <laughs> as I'm like thinking, pondering like things, I keep thinking of like another group. I'm like, oh yeah, what about that person? Could fit him yeah. in. Yeah. But um, but yeah, okay. I guess uh, producers. You know, who are who are some producers out of the '90s that, you know, like for me, you know, one of the, of course, ones that gets thrown out there all the time is like Rick Rubin. Um, yeah, and he was really active then. Um, I mean, active That's- prior, but obviously, you know. But, yeah, uh, and that's that's the only name that like immediately popped into my head, um, but that means very little. <laughs> I mean, there's also like Dr. Dre; you could count him. Yeah, and um, that's the thing, right? I mean, it, you know, Dr. Dre. I mean, he he seems like a smart and capable enough dude to where he could use his producer skills on genres other than hip hop. So, I, I mean. If uh, assuming that he would be interested in the job, I think it would be a pretty cool thing to see. <laughs> yeah. Um, man. Yeah. I mean, cause really that is a good point. Um, or that's a, that's a really good 
person to bring up, Dr. Dre. A little embarrassed I didn't think of it, if I'm being honest. <laughs> well, because I, I definitely had him in mind. I was just trying to think of like, like any, I, and like that's the thing too. It's like you start to realize like, like, oh, I, I know so-and-so produced this, but like, man, it's hard to like grab that thought, <laughs> like really yeah. dig that out. And like, cause uh, there's also this like invasive half of my brain. That's also like, well, get out of that genre. And like, think about this genre. <laughs> <laughs> but I just keep thinking of like hip hop more than anything. Cause like, you know, I was thinking about like Sean Combs, P Diddy, you know, yeah. that's another late, I mean, the second half of the nineties, I guess. Man. Um, but yeah, I guess I would probably stick with Rick Rubin just out of the ones we threw out. He was, um, yeah, man, that's funny. Um, there was one guy I was trying to look up. And, oh, man. Okay. Well, so, okay. So, so T-Bone Burnett, uh, does that name mean anything to you? No. Who's that? So, he, he played guitar for Bob Dylan in the 70s. And he recorded the uh, Wallflowers album. Oh, yeah. Um, Jacob. Yeah. Bringing Down the Horse. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> every time I see that album name, it cracks me up. Um, <laughs> bringing down the horse. Um, so T Bone Burnett produced that, but he also he did some work and possible some production um, on a bunch of soundtracks, but those are outside oh. the '90s, like Oh Brother Where Art Thou, which is 2000. Oh wow! Um, Walk the Line, Cold Mountain, Raising Sand. Um, he produced music for True Detective. So all that, oh, wow. I mean, all that's a little bit more reasonable or recent. Recent, yeah. <laughs> that's um, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. He. Oh, yeah. He did uh, King of America by Elvis Costello in the 80s. That was a cool thing. And he also, oh, yeah, here we go. This is what I was trying to figure out because I knew it was on here somewhere. Um, so he produced the soundtracks. Uh, he also did the soundtrack for The Big Lebowski. Oh, yeah. Which has a great wow. soundtrack and is in the 90s. Yeah. And I know that's more yeah. about curating. Um, well, Lebowski and um, Oh Brother, Why Art Thou have some of the great or really, really, oh, yeah. really highly regarded soundtracks. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm still hmm. a sucker for that Oh Brother, Why Art Thou soundtrack. Like, it's that was a road trip CD <laughs> when I was, you know, because I, I was, it came out in 2000. So I was 11 years old when it came out. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we got we got that CD, and when we would take family <laughs> vacations to exotic <laughs> Oklahoma, um, you know, we listened to <laughs> we listened to the Oh Brother Wartell soundtrack all the nice. way there. So it's it's I have a soft spot for it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Nice. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Well, yeah. How about that? About that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so. Like, I mean, it's it, it's such a you know, it's just, it's, it's so hard. It's like, um, you know, I see, you see it a lot with sports, right? You know, and, and someone was talking about this the other day. Uh, you know, the like NBA fantasy. had their 75th anniversary team announced, and it still had these guys like Bob Cousy, who played for the Celtics in the 50s and early 60s. Hmm. And, you know, it's hard to say that Bob Cousy really is one of the best basketball players to have ever lived because if he, in his athletic prime, played in today's game, he would get annihilated. I mean, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> people are just better, quicker, faster, and stronger than they were. 
Um, And, you know, Bob Cousy played so long ago that most of those guys had second jobs. You know, they played basketball Mm. on the side, but but really they sold insurance and built houses and, you know, were plumbers (laughs) and electricians and whatnot. And so there's a little bit of that in doing this with music, too. Right. I mean, because, you know, it's you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to tap into much of anything um, from the 60s. Other than maybe if you're looking for a sample, if you're trying to, if you're trying to make a hip hop album, right? Mm, I mean, not okay. too much. You wouldn't want this a producer from the '60s doing that, right? Um, but anyway, and I know I'm rambling. I'm just tired, but uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's what it's so hard because it, it, going back to the sports thing, right? That's really the only argument for why those sports lists are difficult to put together is because you can't see. Bob Cousy play against Michael Jordan, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. But but with these musician ones, I mean, not only do you have to deal with some of that, um, but you have to deal with genre issues. You have to deal with way different personality issues. You have to deal with, uh, you know, like you were talking about, you know, Eric Clapton was still making really good music in the 90s. Well, it was bad music, but his playing was fantastic. Um, <laughs> you know, so it, it's like you could you could still choose Eric Clapton and you could you could choose Eric Clapton as your guitarist in basically any of the last of the five decades starting with the 60s. Yeah. Right. And um, I, between that and then then you're always wondering how the sound is going to mesh um, because it's just so crucial. It's so crucial that your rhythm section be on the same page and have some sort of relationship with each other, um, mm. which is, I, by the way, I think is why, you know, and to bring it all back home, you know, we were talking about show tunes earlier when we were talking about Father John Misty mm-hmm. and if you listen to big productions like that, like a, the soundtrack from a musical or something, it yeah. never has the soul that you want in it, right? Hmm. Because it's not really a band that sits there and works together and tours together and lives together and does all this stuff where there's this great rapport and everyone kind of knows right. what everyone's going to do. And, you, you know, you can't foster that relationship on the rhythm section. And the rhythm section is what gives bands sounds. I mean, it, the relationship mm-hmm. between a bassist and a drummer and a rhythm guitarist really is what gives all that sound. Um, yeah, it's that backbone skeleton, baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, if you listen to Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals on, on an album or whatever, yeah, the drumming is phenomenal. And everything about it is is great because they are world class musicians, but it doesn't have that soul because those those guys don't have to gel in the same way mm, that right. like you would expect a super group to do. Yeah, which sure. you know to actually bring it back to the point um, is I think just what makes this so so terribly difficult is because you know how are it, you know how is Marvin Gaye gonna get along with you know john bonham or whoever our <laughs> drummer was in the 60s right probably just fine right i mean you know sure. maybe i mean gay was a drummer so they could start there <laughs> yeah they could start there um but you know like you know it, it just is it's how how it, it's impossible to predict 
how those right. people well, it's like compliment well, it's like other. fantasy football it's like you yeah. never think about like how are they gonna go you just see how the statistics actually went and you plug them into your team you know it's like right. there's no yeah. like actual thinking of like yeah but if i had this coach he would never be mad he would yeah. never get mad so my kicker would never miss because he would always be calm because who could be mad around this coach you know uh because some some producers really are so good at you know talking and understanding other people and balancing people are like you know what just leave the room then we'll just do this part and you can come back you know or like we don't all have to do this we all just get paid the same we don't we don't have to be in the room together we just all need to be paid the equal part um, but it's just all a balance and you know I was even thinking that maybe if, when or if we do this again maybe we shouldn't pick a decade but um, but instead maybe pick a, a genre and try and build you know, and yeah, like there maybe you go. pick a genre and, and maybe a handful of subgenres and try and build some like really amazing groups that, yeah, maybe does all time, you know, out of all time. Like if we could have built a group that represents, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, psychedelic rock, it's like, who, who are all the people that you think would you build as your like all-star team, you know, right. Uh, and see how that goes. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, but it, yeah, but it's really interesting though to try and like stretch your your thinking and and extend you know your thoughts into like, uh, well, this person wouldn't work with this person, but they're so good and like, well, you know, it's like, but that's a totally different style and just like really trying to think, and you know, that's probably what a lot of these real musicians feel like when they're trying to build a new group or try to like um, build a touring group or or build a new sound of their own is like, oh, but this guy. He's got, I, I, I never make music like that, or I would never approach it like that. I want to see how he does things. But then like, maybe the other guy just doesn't, you know, maybe it's not literally, they don't talk the same language, but like they, they <laughs> this one, one, one's way more energetic than the other, or one's like way, way more of an introvert than they thought, you know, than they just perceived them as and, and like, they just don't get along. But like, it's, it's just, yeah, it's always crazy to try and think of how a team's going to mesh. I mean, it's like, it's like running a business when you're running a business and you're trying to hire someone. Sometimes that's the hardest thing <laughs> is because you know, you hope you get the honest answers out of an interview, but you never really know. And you won't know until they're on the team and, and, and right there next to you, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And just like the boss can make the world of a difference at a workplace, man, a producer can make a huge difference. So always, read the notes and figure out who produced your favorite music <laughs> <laughs> facts. Uh, so that's a good bit of advice to, to end on. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, as someone from the production side, I always try to throw that out. <laughs> yeah. Like, always consider who actually put this together. <laughs> it's like, wow, John and Paul are just geniuses. I'm like, they, they didn't know shit without George, you know? <laughs> yeah. Man, it uh, is George it is really pretty scary how true that statement is. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's times where I reflect on my dumb dumber years as like a, you know a ten year old, and I'm like, wow, David Bowie, you know, really did that solo, and Dane that thought of all of this, and like did the artwork. I'm like, no, you dumbass, like this doesn't work like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man, they got people for that. <laughs> they got people for that thing. He just walked in the room and said his bit and walked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man but yeah dude this was fun and then always we'll figure out another one for next time 